ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम ज्ञान ज्ञानंजन शलाखया राधाकुंडम गिरिवर महो राधिकास्मी वंदेहम श्रीगुरोशियतःपरिकमलमश्रीगुरूनवैष्णवांगीवसाधुतंपरिजनसहितखाखा हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे वी हैव अ तमिल ट्रांसलेटर नो वन केम फॉर द ट्रांसलेशन सो आई हैव अ बिगर क्राउड दिस मॉर्निंग बोथ द संकीर्तन पार्टीज आर हियर हम वेल आई एम स्पीकिंग क्वाइटली आल्सो एज As I go on I start to speak louder I get more excited <laughs> Prabhu did that too famously in 1977 his last series of public lectures in in Bombay so he's very exhibiting the pastime of being very sick and weak anyway he would come and speak and he would speak very slowly and quietly but then he'd get worked up and he'd be shouting at the end in his ecstasy of pure love of krishna which i'm serving his lotus attending to serve his lotus feet with the hope of someday attaining that mercy from him so uh continuing from the Vishnu Sahasranama I said we're missing missing some important paper anyway too bad uh the next name is bhavana many of the names in this section they are concerned with the lords the supreme lord vishnu vishnu sahasrana his activities in relation to bringing the jivas into the bringing the universe into existence bringing the jivas into existence well not into existence but manifesting the jivas and related meanings to do with birth 
Now in modern Bengali, Hindi, and probably other North Indian languages, bhavana is a common word, but not in the sense of directly in the sense of anything to do with birth or any such thing or manifestation. But it means uh, more like, I don't think there's any one English word that covers it. It means attitude, feeling, experience, I guess you could say. These are synonyms. Anyway, let's go through the... There are many meanings given for this word in the dictionary, Sanskrit to English dictionary, and we can see how many of them uh, can be understood in terms of uh, Vishnu. So the first meaning given is the first meaning in Sanskrit, which, as I just said, is not the first meaning in modern Indian languages, causing to be, effecting, producing, displaying, manifesting. So, uh, that's similar, where are we going here? Similar to the word Bhutadi, which was just given, to Prabhavaha, which will is the one after the next one. So they're similar terms. Purashar Bhatta, the, the Sri Vaishnava, a Sri Vaishnava commenter on Vishnu Sahasranam, he uh, he what he explains all of the names in such a way that there's a continuation of meaning between the names. There's some link between the name previous to and the name following. And he also uh, explains each name in such a way that even though several names are repeated in Vishnu Sahasranam, and even, I think at least one of them comes up three times, um, but he explains according to the context, if you see the, the, in which the particular word appears in relation to the names prior to it and following it. So some of the meanings he gives may appear to be uh, somewhat forced or strained if you're a critical scholar. They, they don't seem to be the the natural meanings. But, of course, any way a devotee explains, uh, the, 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 these commentators on Vishnu Sahasranama, they're all competent in Sanskrit and very deep in Shastra to be able to explain these names in these ways. So, um, Parashara Bhakta explains this, that that, uh, oh yeah, Sambhava, the name prior to this also, I, I said Bhutadi, and Sambhava also means uh, coming into being. 
nayang bhutva bhavita vanabhuyaha. Although the, the jiva and Vishnu himself never comes into being, nor is there any question of him coming into being, but it, it, he manifests. That's the, that's the term we should use in English. He, he appears to come into being. From our perspective, he comes into being. The example is given of a person sitting in a room and he sees out of the window and a horse goes past. <laughs> so, as the horse goes past, he sees it as it goes past his window. Now, it's not that the horse comes into being when he enters the vision of the person who can only see out the window. And it's not that he ceases, not that the horse ceases to exist after he goes out of the uh, window frame as it's seen by the person in the room. He existed prior to coming within the... He's not actually in the window frame. It's only from the perspective of the, of the seer that he's in. The, so he existed prior to coming within the window frame. He exists paschat also, after being within the window frame. Uh, but to the vision of the person in the room, uh, he, his existence, the existence of the horse, is only perceived for the short time that he pass, the horse passes the window. So, in, it, is, it can be said, it's not that the horse comes into being, but he is manifest to the vision of the seer. So in the same way, the Supreme Lord eternally exists. Sometimes he is manifest to the vision of persons within this world. And in that sense, it is said, Sambhava, he comes into being. But that is only from the uh, perspective of the persons in this world, although he appears to. Uh, he appears to as if he's born like a child. He grows, he never gets old. But he appears to go through certain phases of life, gets married, has children, appears to go through all these six, the Sharavikara, the six manifestations, except dwindling. He never shows any sign of dwindling. The six transformations. There's, there's birth, growth, sustenance, uh, reproduction of byproducts, which for human beings and for the Supreme Lord in many of his avatars means having children, dwindling, which the Supreme Lord does not do, and apparent death. Krishna apparently died to the vision of foolish people. Rama didn't die. He entered the Sarayu River and was never seen again by, at least on this world, in, in that form. Balaram just left. He didn't really die. He just uh, left this world. Krishna did also, actually. Anyway, Sambhava, he comes into being, manifest, but that should be understood that his coming into being 
is not like that of an ordinary person who having come into being is subject to going out of being. The, the body is born jatasya hi dhruva mritya. That which is born is subject to death. The Krishna he is apparently born, but he's not subject to death. So all these points should be understood. So bhavana, he manifests. It's not the, we don't have the word birth here, but manifestation. Uh, promoting or affecting anyone's welfare. So that... Uh, that meaning is given by Parashara Bhatta. That having come into, having taken birth, having supposedly taken birth, Sambhava, he acts to, for the welfare of others, particularly for his devotees. Paritranaya Sadhunam. He acts for the welfare of others. Imagining, these are different meanings given, imagining, fancying, teaching, a creator, a producer, an efficient. I'm not sure in what sense this, it, it means, yeah, in this context it must be like the efficient cause, which is, you're looking confused there, a technical term in philosophy. There's, in Sanskrit, there's nimitta karan and upadan karan. Different causes. The, the example usually given is, what is the cause of a pot? Well, you could say that the cause is the clay. But the ultimate cause is the potter. And if you want to go further back, sarvakaranakaranam, the ultimate cause is Krishna. So the ultimate cause, although there may be many intermediate causes, we could say that the cause of this body is the parents, or we could say that the cause of the body is uh, the material elements, we could say that the cause of the body is lust. So there are various causes. The ultimate cause is Krishna. So that's a very important meaning of the word bhavana. The ultimate cause of everything. If we try to find what is the ultimate cause, we will we have to ultimately come to Krishna. Otherwise, there's no end. There's the infinite regression. I was speaking about that, or I spoke about that the other day. How if, some people say, well, who caused God? It's a, it's a foolish question. Krishna is the ultimate answer to all research projects. 
You don't have to, as Prabhupada sometimes said, you don't have to spend millions of dollars on research. Just buy Bhagavad Gita as it is, and that's it, finished. You can spend all your billion, save all your billions of dollars. And, yeah, this verse I, I read yesterday, Mama Yonir Mahad Brahma Tasmin Garabham Dadhamiaham Sambhava Sarva Bhutanam Tato Bhavati Bharata the total material substance called Brahman is the source of birth, the source of generation. And it is that Brahman that I impregnate, making possible the births of all living beings, O son of Bharat. Okay, so, you know, just close down all these research institutions and this, this uh, string theory and solid state theory and black hole theory and, and give uh, Stephen Hawking a pension, thank him very much. And, and uh, tell him to read Bhagavad Gita as it is. There you go. You don't need to study. All. You can never find out. See the way sitting on, sitting on one tiny planet, staring through a telescope and making some mathematical equations, you're never going to find out what the source of the universe is. We're in some little blip in time, on some little pebble somewhere floating in, floating in the universe, or not floating, actually, according to... Well, yeah, floating, but not spinning, at least. Is it? Is that right? It's, uh, some things are spinning, but this Bhumandal is not. And anyway, it's a, it's a pebble, overgrown pebble, like the frog is sitting on a pebble, croaking. And, you know, very little intelligence, very little ability to observe what is going on. We're just in a tiny blip of time, and we're trying to work out how it all came into being. The only thing the scientists can agree on is there's no God. <laughs> That's all. They don't have any evidence for it. They don't have any evidence for anything, for that matter. Whatever they think is evidence, they find out, oh, sorry, got it wrong. I just saw the headline uh, that the, the neutrino boss, the head of the project, just resigned. I didn't look to see... I didn't see exactly the reasons, but anyway, poor old Einstein. They'll have to take away his Nobel Prize. So, uh, yes, Krishna is the ultimate source of everything. So these are vital, uh, it's vital for our understanding. I mean, why are we here? It, well, there's prasadam, yeah, that's always good, no doubt. And it's nice, we sing this and that, but uh, ultimately why we are here, we should understand. Just like I, I, I got an email from some Christian priest trying to challenge, undermine the faith of the devotees. I mean, it's pathetic that the devotees couldn't answer him and they had to send it to me. I mean, just anyway, in a few days we'll see this absolute stupidity of this, this and no and this person is supposed to be a Christian priest as yeah. Yeah. you know when I was about 10 years old I realized that their, their whole theology is just totally bogus and they go on and study it all their life and they get you know degrees and then they preach it to others and then, the poor Hindus get, because, you know, all they know about their so-called religion is what they, I don't know, 
what do they know? Well, they maybe, maybe they read some Amar Kata or saw Mahabharat on TV, and that's about it. They go to the temple and see Sai Baba with a Ganesh head. And, you know, what are they going to say? They have, no, they have no knowledge. Anyway, so we should understand. That's why Prabhupada wanted to have these classes. How Krishna is the cause of all causes. As Srila Prabhupada would often say, it is not enough to say that God is great. But we have to understand how he is great. Interestingly, in some religious processes, they say, don't try to understand. They, they, they say that you, you can't understand, you just, take, you just do what we say, that's all. That's in traditional Islam, you're supposed to listen to the Imams, you're not supposed to read or try to understand yourself. And in Christianity, actually. I, anyway, I'll talk about that later. I'm just getting, just getting ready to... <laughs> it makes me angry how these people, you know, 2,000 years of cheating, and, and they're, not, they don't, they're not even ashamed of it. They're just going on and on. So, uh, Krishna is the ultimate cause of everything. That is explained in some detail within the Puranas, how this verse, Mamayonia Mahadbrahma, this verse, the, the logistics of it is described in some detail in the Puranas. Make a note of that. Bhagavad Gita 14.3 how it actually happens is described in detail in the Puranas. So, uh, Bhavana is also a name of Shiva. A name of Vishnu, that's what we're discussing. Also a name of Shiva because, of course, many of these uh, functions of Krishna in relation to the creation of the world are actually affected by Shiva. Krishna doesn't get involved, just like Hambija Pita Prada, Hambija Prada Pita. Sorry, this is explained by the Acharyas when Krishna says he is the seed-giving father. That's actually done by Shiva on behalf of Krishna. The act of producing or affecting—that's yeah, almost the same. Then, uh, forming in the mind conception, apprehension, imagination, supposition, fancy, thought, meditation. There's an important meaning. That's just like I was saying, bhavana means attitude, feeling, experience, conception. That's another important meaning. Although I think in modern Hindi you wouldn't use that. Dharana would be conception. Bhavana means like, more like attitude, just like we say sadbhavana, good feeling. Uh, recently, Vishwanath Chakravar Thakur says that bhavana means that he inspires the devotees with bhava. So bhava is a very important word in, in Gorya Vaishnav theology. Bhava and Bhavana. Bhav 
in Gorya Vaishnav theology means emotional feelings and in common common language even today. So bhavana, as far as I understand, I had some discussion about this recently with Lokanath Maharaj. Just like we say, bhakti vigna vinashana narasim hadev. So bhakti vigna vinashana actually means the act of destroying the obstacles to bhakti. But this form is often used synonymously in Sanskrit with the, uh, with the one who does that. Just like you would think that the, the term would be vigna vinashak. But there are many, just like I was discussing also, anandavardhana is a name for Krishna. You'd think it should be Ananda Vardhak Vardhaka. But uh, according to rules of Sanskrit grammar, the, the same term that's used for the act can, be, uh, can mean the person who acts in that way. So Bhavana, one who, in, one who himself is always full of bhav, full of emotional feelings, and who inspires that in others also. Uh, in logic, bhavana means that cause of memory which arises from direct perception. I won't go into that. Demonstration, argument, ascertainment, feeling of devotion, faith in, yeah. Just like bhakti bhavana. Reflection, contemplating. Right, oh, that's with the Jains, forget that one. Whatever the Jains say, don't read it. Furthering, promoting. So these are all names that can be used in relation, or oh, they are different meanings of the word bhavana. Uh, Shankaracharya, he gives the meaning that Bhagavan is bhavana because he gives the fruits of action to all jivas. Where is that? Yeah. Okay, the next name, Bharata, means one who supports in the sense of physical support. Support is also, we also, there's like moral support. But the, the, literally one who supports, just like there's one devotee in Slovenia, it's called Mahi Bharata, who's means it's a name for Ananta, who holds up Mahi, which is a name for the earth. So one who holds up this, this name then uh, appears to particularly refer to Ananta Dev, uh, 
and of course Krishna himself, this, uh, he says, ekang shenas tito jagat, that by my, just with a, with a one angsha, with one tiny bit of my potency, he maintains the whole universe. So he, Srila Prabhupada also said that this idea of gravity, he didn't support that. He said, Krishna holds everything in place. And now you find that the modern scientists, because they have this gravity theory, but they didn't find enough mass within the universe to support it, so they invented it. If you can't find it in a telescope, you invent it. And where is it? Well, you can't see it. Science! Come on, stop laughing. This is science. Come on, serious scientific discussion here. More than 90% of the universe is invisible. And the proof is gravitation. Must be there because otherwise our theory wouldn't work. Oh, um, excuse me. It must be. Um, have to rephrase. Have to use a few long words here, which people don't understand. And then they'll say, "Hmm, yes, okay, yeah, very intelligent." So it's actually Krishna who supports the, the universe and holds everything. <laughs> and actually, you can see Krishna, but you can't see the invisible mass. But they can't see Krishna. They're looking for some invisible mass. They're looking for it. They won't look for Krishna. It's because they're demons. Whoops, I'm not supposed to say that these days. Anyway, um, Parashara Bhatta says that this supporting, he equates this with nourishing. By giving himself, he gives himself to the devotees and in this way nourishes them. That's a very sweet, uh, very sweet understanding. Just like we find those who are actually devotees, they, they are nourished only by Krishna, and not by food. The food for, for those who are feeling separation for Krishna, which we're, we're supposed to aspire for, they, they, food has no interest for them. No, they, they, without Krishna, nothing gives them any pleasure. They, they, they have no interest to eat anything or do anything. Only, only if Krishna, only with... If Krishna comes, they'll be very happy to eat with Krishna, or depending on their relationship with him, they'll feed him first. Those who are eating, they may be eating something and say, Oh, this is very nice. Why don't you try something? They'll say to Krishna. So they are nourished by Krishna, by his very presence. He brings back to life the devotees who feel... We'll, that comes later. One of the names is Prana, one of the names of Krishna. Then, uh, what else do we have to say about this? So many things could be said. Prabhavaha. Again, bhava, the idea of coming into being or bringing into being. Shankara gives two meanings. 
one from whom all the great elements have their birth, that's similar to Bhutadi, which is just done, or one who has exalted births as various avatars. So this uh, Parasha Bhatta gives a similar meaning to that, who is of exalted birth. Srila Prabhupada often explained that this pra, this prefix pra, which can have various meanings, it's often used to mean uh, prakrishta rupena, in a most, which means in a most excellent manner. So his birth is of a sublime nature, or most excellent. Of course, when you say his birth is most excellent, that means his whole being is excellent. He's of a completely different... Oh, wait a minute. I left out. There's some more on Bharta. Bharta, yeah, that, that comment. I think I missed... Ah, yeah, here it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, a lot of stuff about Bharta. I first left that out. Uh, yeah, Bharta is also... Generally, it's a term for husband. One who maintains and supports, preserves, protects. Lord, Master. Nityo nityanam chaitanas chaitananam eko bahunam kaman. One who maintains others is called Bharata. So these these kind of terms, they're also used in a secular sense. Uh, just like, it's not very common when someone may refer to my, their Bharata, or just like we have in the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he found the fault of Keshav Kashmiri in composing a verse in which Keshav Kashmiri had referred to Lord Shiva as Bhavani Bhatta, the husband of she whose husband is Bhava, which means Lord Shiva. One common name for Lord Shiva is Bhava, which means birth or one who brings into being. So the secular usage of such terms doesn't diminish their transcendent use, but it also gives us some insight from our vantage point into the nature of transcendence. In other words, if we, if we think of a husband as a maintainer or preserver or protector, that gives us from our present vantage point by Chandra Shakanyai a some idea as to how Krishna is the Supreme preserver, protector, and maintainer. So, uh, Prabhava. Again, the meaning, production, source, origin, cause of existence. But uh, the, the first meaning is given prominent, excelling, distinguished. So when the two meanings are combined together, uh, it means, or, or another meaning is might or power. That's Prabhava. So it means one who has excellent birth, one whose birth is not ordinary. That's why we celebrate tomorrow Ramanavami, 
or we celebrate Janmashtami because the birth is not ordinary. Nothing about, neither is Krishna's birth ordinary, nor, is he, nor are his activities ordinary, nor is even his disappearance from this world ordinary, nor are his instructions ordinary, nor is anything he does, his flute playing, is a flute playing, okay, play a flute, all right, cowherd boy plays a flute, not very, generally a cowherd boy's flute playing is not very sophisticated, it's just, you know, some, some or other sing something. But, uh, Chris, oh, I think we're heading for a sandstorm here, dust storm. Yeah, okay, so I think we'll terminate this class here by the arrangement of time in the form of a dust storm. We shall terminate this class. Now it's settled down a bit. May come again. And then it's going to rain, isn't it? Okay, so we'll finish here. Hare Krishna. All glories to the, all the devotees. All glories to the devotees who are distributing Srila Prabhupada's books in the towns and cities. Hare Krishna.